birth mother, as I did last year, or those of you who don't know your birth mother, those of you who wish you didn't have the mother you do, those of you who wish you could be mothers but aren't. Uh, Mother's Day can be a blessed time to some of us and a time of mixed emotions uh, for some of the others of us. But the God whom we often refer to as Father is also the one who gives us a new birth, which is a very maternal image. And so may that God hold you close this morning, whatever your feelings are, and I rejoice with those of you who rejoice today, and I weep with those of you who weep. Uh, our text for this morning is uh, from, from Ephesians. We've been working through Ephesians as the church, both in the Sunday services and in our small groups, on the theme of more. The more God wants for us, and it's up there. And um, I'm going to you know, I travel around the world, and one of the things that happens in China is that the churches in China, when they read the Scripture, they all stand and read it together. And so, would you join me in having a cross-cultural experience connecting to the church in China? Let's all stand and read the Scripture together there. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility." This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, hopefully I'll be able to tell you what that means. Okay, stay tuned and listen to the sermon. I hope to make it clear, Jackie. And for all those of you who also feel confused but didn't voice it. You know, speaking of feelings, uh, did any of you have a difficult time getting into the spirit of worship because of the presence of that chair over there? Okay, uh, did, did any of you have difficulty this morning getting into the spirit of worship because of the presence of that chair over there? Uh, maybe you think it's awful to have both of these chairs up here, and for some of you, I offer this morning's vestments, the Michigan State Championship uh, t-shirt. I was hoping, I was hoping to update it uh, this year during the final four, but at last it was not to be. You know, we so often organize ourselves into tribes, if you will. We have a U of M tribe, an MSU tribe. Down to the south, we have the OSU tribe. There are many other tribes perhaps represented here in this room. And, um, and we, we each have our colors and that can be fun for the most part. Uh, cheering for our favorite team. Talking trash to our friends or our family members from different athletic tribes. Speaking of talking trash, my daughter, who's not here this morning, she's flying back, uh, so she didn't get to see this. She gave me this chair, even though I'm not, never attended Michigan. Uh, she gave me this chair uh, for my Father's Day present. And then... When Sharon's birthday came, Sharon from Columbus, Ohio, 
she gave her this chair. So I'm talking about intimate stuff here. When I'm talking about the tribes and how we often uh, go at it with each other and, and trash talk, Sharon does not care at all about sports. But when the Ohio State-Michigan game comes along, uh, she always says to me, scoreboard. You know, having groups is part of being very human. In Genesis, not the church, the, the chapter in the, the book in the Bible, when God created Adam, God said, it's not good for us to be alone. And so God created Eve. And, and out of that same need not to be alone, we humans throughout the years have formed groups that hold us together and give us our identity, our family, our tribe, our school, our nation. And, and there's something that binds us together in these groups. We have symbols like flags or mascots or, or logos. Even more powerfully, we have shared stories. You know, when I'm traveling uh, around uh, the U.S. and in an airport and I wear this black hat with the old English D, I, I can go up and I see that on somebody else. And even though we're in another city somewhere, we go up and we can, we can talk to each other. Even though we're strangers, we can get together and say, well, how's the rebuilding going? It ain't going so well. Uh, but remember, we did make it to the World Series a few times. And, uh, you know, we keep hoping. And... Uh, we're strangers, but we're connected to that, each other with that sports tribe. You know, being human means being connected in groups. But, as in so much of our humanity, this group connection has become distorted and twisted by sin. And so, we from Michigan go down to Columbus to watch a football game, but drunk Buckeye fan sees our Michigan license plate and keys the side of our card, just like drunk Lions fan will pour beer on somebody with a Packers jersey. Yeah, gang violence shows the craziness of this. A blood will shoot a crip because they wear blue, and a crip will return the favor by gunning down someone wearing red. You know, and sometimes nations aren't much better. You know, we say, my country, right or wrong. Or our current politics, we've got the red and the blue tribes. So let's, uh, let's just do something here. Let's have all the Republicans get to the, the right side of the church and have all the Democrats go to the left side and we'll have the independents down. No, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> not going to out anybody, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, just think about that. We have such deeply divided political tribes in our country that leaders seem to care more about bringing down the opposing tribe than solving the problems for the people who elected them. And to be honest, we haven't done much better in the church, have we? We have our Christian tribes, the Baptists, the Catholics, the Lutherans, the Orthodox, the Pentecostals, and then, of course, there's us, the, the non-denominationals. See, we're above it all, even as we criticize those folks who have a label on their church sign. It's kind of like Paul wrote to the Corinthians. One of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas, and still another, I follow Christ. Even churches with no labels have splits. We separate ourselves from those who don't teach the Bible quite like we think it should be taught or those who don't use the right kind of music 
the one from the generation that, that I connect to. Or maybe who don't do communion the right way or don't do this or do do that. You know, my tribe is not just people like me in some way. It's people like me against people like them. And that might be fun in sports rivalries, but it can become toxic and entrenched in politics and even more toxic when we add God into the mix because, <laughs> sorry, but God's always on my side, not on your side, right? So our groups, our tribes give us a sense of community beyond ourselves. I'm not alone. I've got all my friends, my homies, my fellow believers right here with me. We're singing our song. We're using our special language. We're wearing the clothes that tell us that we belong, and we belong to this group with all our pride. And that can be well and good, but God desires more for us. God desires a community that doesn't just make us feel at home, doesn't just give us a sense of belonging. God desires something more. God desires a community that is more. God desires a community that transforms and transcends. Listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew 5. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Jesus wants us to do more than just connect with folks like us, with our tribe, our type of people, or even our type of Christians. If we as Christians deal only with our own folks, Jesus tells us we're no better than anybody else in the world. We're no better than any of those folks that we look down our nose at. God wants us as the people of God to be more, more the type, in the type of community that we have. God is calling toward us. God has created us for more community. Community not with just us, just people like us, but community with anybody, potentially with everybody. Now Paul Sets it up here in Ephesians, talking about Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles meaning non-Jews. People the Jews considered as unclean and pagans. There were ethnic differences, cultural differences, and huge religious differences. But these two people, two very different kinds of people, God is bringing together into one new humanity. You know, God's more community is not settling for us versus them or us and them in a live and let live kind of minimal uh, approach of tolerance. God wants us to experience more than tolerance, but rather to become one new humanity. Here in Ephesians 2, Paul gives us the basis for the more. First, we're all reconciled to God through the cross. Of Jesus. In the first 10 verses in Ephesians 2, which we dealt with last week, Paul writes about how we are all dead in sin. Dead. But that, that God has saved us, brought us back to life, lifted us, as we just said, by grace through faith. And we might be tempted to think this is all about me and Jesus. 
You know, I come to Jesus. He saves me, you know, sets me on the way to heaven. It's just me and Jesus. And I'm messed up, but Jesus loves me. Jesus saves me. Jesus forgives my sin. And that's all true. But that's not the whole story. In the second half of Ephesians 2, Paul shows us that there are other people coming to God through the same path of grace through faith to the foot of the cross. I come to the cross of Christ and Lo and behold, there are lots of other people there, including people very unlike me. Paul talks about folks who've been far away, now coming near. Folks locked out are now being brought in. Jews and Gentiles are being made one new people. Or as Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So what is your tribe? What is the group or the groups with whom you identify? You'll find the opposite there at the foot of the cross. How might we say it today? There is neither Spartan nor Wolverine nor Buckeye. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Republican nor Democrat. There's neither gay nor straight. There's neither black nor white nor brown nor red nor yellow. There's neither urban or suburban or rural. There's neither rich nor poor nor middle class. There's neither U.S., American, Russian, Chinese, Mexican, Canadian, Israeli, Palestinian, Cuban, Canadian, you name it. All these people groups are are real, and there's something important in our identity. They're they're human groupings, and, and some of us have some real issues with other folks. But we are all one in Christ. And you get to the foot of that cross, and there isn't a separate section for each group. I mean, there isn't a red side to the cross and a blue side to the cross. There isn't a part of the cross reserved for Baptists and a part for Catholics, a part for Orthodox, and a part for Pentecostals. Have any of you ever been to Jerusalem? Anybody ever been to Jerusalem? Just a few. It's worth going to. There's there's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is where this big church, and it supposedly covers Mount Calvary and the empty tomb area. And... um, As you come in the main door, over to the right is Mount Calvary, but you can't see it. It's all covered up in this structure, and there's a huge altar at the top, and you climb the stairs, and you crawl under the altar. There's a hole you can reach down, and you can feel the stone of that rock where Jesus was crucified. And then over to the left is a a chapel built around the empty tomb, and you can go inside. It's a small place. You know, only a few people can fit inside. And you go there, and you see where tradition says Jesus was laid. He's not there. He's risen. Hallelujah. But around these two special uh, uh, places of of remembrance and worship are, are these six chapels Uh, six areas that are run by different parts of the Christian community. you got your Catholic and your Orthodox, various brands of the Orthodox churches. You know, Protestants, Pentecostals, and non-denominational folks, we aren't even represented. So we got a place uh, outside the old city uh, that uh, you can visit there. You know, church tribalism has divided up the very church around the hill of Calvary 
in the empty tomb. And because the Christians can't get their act together, a Muslim family holds the key to the church of the Holy Sepulchre because we can't figure out how to do it. That's embarrassing to me as a Christian. But that's not the reality of what Jesus has done. That's the reality of the mess we have made as human beings. For, for Jesus, there is no separation. Jesus at the cross is making one new humanity. And if you come to the foot of that cross, you become a child of God. But that also means you're a part of God's family. And you have brothers and sisters, most of whom you have not chosen. And perhaps you wouldn't have chosen in a million years. But here we are. We're family. I'm stuck with you. You're stuck with me. But God wants more. God doesn't want us stuck with each other. God wants us to be a genuine community. You know, in other places, Paul talks about us being the body of Christ, where we may be different. You know, some of us are arms and legs, and some of us are feet, some of us, you know, are bald heads, you know, whatever it may be. That um, we serve different functions with, with our different experiences our different stories and our different gifts that can help us each to grow and to learn from one another. This diversity of people meeting at the cross allows for more of God's glory to be revealed. If I see God's handiwork or God's masterpiece as we spoke of last week, only in the people like me, it's like going down to the Detroit Institute of Art and just going into one room. Now, yes, that one room has some amazing masterpieces. And perhaps there's even a sculpture or two. But if, if that's all I think about art, I may be enriched a bit, but I'm still missing out on so much more. And there is room after room after room of amazing art in, in so many different styles. I love going down to the DIA. And the one new humanity God has created through Christ is kind of like that. So many amazing different people who each in their culture and their personal experiences reflect God's glory in a special way. The more I can appreciate the wonderful gifts of each person God has made, the richer I will be in my spirit. All of us gathered around the cross of Christ are sinners. We all need grace. But we all reveal God's glory in the way that that grace has come into our particular story and how we've been given certain gifts. And so this one new humanity blesses us with so much more than if we just stuck with our own little tribe of my type of people. Second, Paul tells us that Christ has done away with the hostility between us. I mean, look closely at verses 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by separate, setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. That's probably what, what made uh, that question, you know, what does that mean? I'm confused. You know, the law is fine if it's God's law. The problem is that we take the law into ourselves and we appoint ourselves as little attorney generals to enforce the law. 
And I walk around with my checklist, you know, doing, checking off all the do's and the don'ts, you know, kind of like Santa Claus making my list, checking it twice. And I come up to Scott and I say, hey, Scott, you know, I'm looking here and I see you didn't do this that's on my list. And you didn't do the other things. You should have done that. Oh, you're doing that? How do you think Scott's feeling? Yeah, he might even be saying, hey, Buttry, who are you? <laughs> you know, I know a little bit about your story, too. I got some things with you. The hostility builds up because we got that checklist in our hands, and we're going over it, and we don't like what another person is doing us, doing to us. You know, Jesus does away with the checklist. Jesus says we're all guilty at some point in the law, in God's law, God's checklist. But Jesus pays the penalty for the cross by taking that checklist and nailing it to the cross. Jesus paid for all our screw-ups. Jesus lets us start again with grace. And so Scott and I, we meet at the foot of that cross without our checklist, because we're both recipients of God's grace. And where can that hostility come out when we're looking up at Jesus? I can't possibly bring out my checklist to judge Scott while we're both looking into the face of the one who has extended grace to us. The only way I can get out my checklist and my judging of another is if I move away from the cross and I appoint myself as God's judge and jury, something God has not given any of us permission to do. Instead of hostility, we have more. We have love. The love that comes from the humility of knowing that I need this same grace that you do. This love comes from the humility of knowing that I've received the same grace you have. And so different as we are, different as we may be, we can embrace each other at the foot of that cross. Embrace each other as brother or sister, and that's more, that's way more. Now this third point in the passage speaks to the future to which we lean. Paul says we're one new humanity in Christ, but you know and I know that that's just not true, at least not yet. This vision of the new humanity is expanded at a number of places in the Bible. The book of Revelation, in chapter 5, verse 9, has this powerful word of praise from the Lamb of God, Jesus the Christ. You are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Notice that the one new humanity in Revelation isn't throwing everybody into some heavenly blender so that we're all the same. Every tribe is there. I mean, even wolverines in their maize and blue, even buckeyes in their scarlet and gray, even Spartans in their green and white. You know, they're all there. We won't stop being who we are, but we will be embraced by God into this new, rich, diverse, rainbow, dynamic, wild, and wonderful family. And you want to know what that looks like? That's what it looks like. This is the Buttery family reunion. Spoiler alert. This is a sneak preview of the new heaven and the new earth. 
This was from last August. You can see me way over there in the corner with the blue shirt. And Janelle and Dane are kind of in the middle. And if you look really carefully, Sharon's got two eyes kind of peeking out in the, <laughs> in the corner there. We have a family, we have people in our family literally from every continent. From North America, from Asia, from Africa, from Latin America, from Europe, from the Caribbean. We have many mother tongues in our family besides English. And yet we all love each other. We embrace one another. Well, that's not exactly what heaven will look like. There's, there'll be a lot more people with darker skin there, I can guarantee it. And a lot more languages singing God's praise. God's future is a rainbow glory of all the diversity of humanity because we're all needed to showcase God's amazing creativity and amazing grace. But so many of our churches, you'll find people who look and, and act a lot alike. Almost always there's a mix of men and women, usually a mix of ages, but often not much else more to show the diversity of God's family. God wants us to experience more community. If there is a beauty and dynamic energy when we learn how to be real community with people who are different. That's the future that God has for us in Christ. But we aren't there yet, are we? Sometimes we settle for less, not more, because we like to go back into our tribes hanging out with people like, like us. They make us feel comfortable. But much of the Bible gives us a different vision. It's God's future vision. We know that we're not there yet. And in this passage, that future is rooted in the past. The one new humanity is already here because Christ has died on the cross and made us that one humanity, that one new family. But the future is also not yet. It hasn't arrived. We're still in this present where we feel the pull apart into tribes. It's already here, but it's not yet here. And God calls us today to lean into the future, to lean toward what is coming. Based on what God has done for us at the cross, bringing us together as sinners redeemed by grace, we know where to be at work, leaning, straining, working toward that future, even in our broken, hurting present. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Where? Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So we're both praying and committing ourselves to the work of moving into that new humanity, to bringing the reality of heaven down to earth. So who can we embrace as sister? Who can we embrace as brother? People from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Let me bring it down to today. Ramadan started this past week. Ramadan is the Muslim holy month for prayer, fasting, and deeds of charity. Sharon and I live in Hamtramck, where the majority of our neighbors are Muslim. The majority of our neighbors come from countries such as Yemen, Bangladesh, Bosnia, and Albania. So what about them? <laughs> what about Muslims, or Jews, or Hindus, or Buddhists, or Baha'is, or Sikhs, or, or atheists, or New Agers? What about them? They don't come to the cross. So is coming to the cross just creating a, a newer, bigger Christian tribe? Paul tells us we're all one at the cross, but 
Does that leave out those who don't recognize Jesus as their Savior and Lord, who don't acknowledge his cross? Can we leave them outside our circle? How do we treat them as non-Christians? Well, there's a lot to grapple with here about the mystery of God, how God judges, how people choose for or against God. And we can talk all about this. I'm not going to go into it. That could be one of the things that we sometimes have disagreements with one another about, things that make us in different theological tribes inside this one new humanity in Christ. But let me offer a few thoughts that might help us to think about how we should act so we can move toward the more that God calls us to be and do. That verse in Revelation talked about how people from every tongue, tribe, and nation would be there worshiping God. Maybe not everybody, but certainly from every type of people group imaginable. And then Paul said in Philippians 2, Chapter verses 10 and 11, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know that the very least, at the very least, every human being has God's divine image stamped upon them. That image may be cracked may be badly damaged by sin, but it's still there. People can do horrible, horrific things, and we don't have to accept those horrible and horrific things. But each and every human being was in the mind of Jesus as he hung on that cross. We sing that song, you know. Uh, I forget how it all goes, but in the end, you know, he was thinking about me. That may be, that's true, but he was also thinking about every other human being as well, even those that you don't like. Even those that are the furthest you can imagine being away from you. He was thinking of them. And so there is a reserved spot at the foot of the cross for everyone. Even for those that I think of as them. Now they may not be there yet. But my attitude as a follower of Jesus needs to be following Jesus. That I see them with the eyes of love. Reach out to them see their need and our common potential to be one full human family. My task is not to judge. That's God's task. My task is to embrace, to love the person who might be in the process of becoming my brother or sister, even as you shared from that wonderful testimony uh, in the, uh, when it was Tim Hortons. See, God shows up all kinds of places. Now, I don't have to agree to love doesn't mean you agree. To embrace doesn't mean you agree. But it does say, I love you. Jesus took it even further, more. He said, love your enemies. That's our, ch our challenge. That's part of how we live out the more of community in Jesus. Even our enemies are ones that Christ is inviting us into his embrace. And who knows, my enemy might be there already at the foot of the cross, and I don't even know it. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. I practice that every day. When I sit in my Michigan chair, Sharon sits in her Ohio State chair. <laughs> Look around the room. Look around the room just a minute. We have some similarities among most of us. And some of us may feel parts of our identity put us in the minority here. Maybe even we feel marginalized in some parts of our identity. But we're here. 
And we're all here because of the cross of Jesus, because of his love and grace. And so we are more than meets the eye as we look around us. We are one new humanity. We are sisters and brothers to one another. And so let's lean into that reality as much as we can. And let's stretch a bit more into it day by day. And let's even reach beyond the walls of this church, beyond the numbers in our small groups. And let's reach to others that are around us with that love of Jesus. Let's lean into it because we were made for more. So we're going to do a closing song. And uh, Marty, if you want to come on up. Uh, We sang some Hillsong stuff, some contemporary stuff. We sang an old hymn. Right in the middle is a song that I grew up with when college. We sang, it was one of the top three songs. And when I introduced this to the worship team, almost none of them knew it. We've got our music tribes, you know. There's the old hymnal tribe. Then there's the 60s, 70s Jesus movement tribe. That's kind of what I grew up in. And then there's the Hillsong and other contemporary stuff tribe and a few other tribes mixed in. Well, this is coming from that as soon as I can see Marty. I saw him leave the back. Here he is. Here's Marty. Give him a hand. So so, uh, I'm going to invite you all. We're going to lean into the future here. Invite everybody to stand up if you can, if you got... You're not able to, or you got a baby on your lap or something. You lost your baby there. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, but stand and reach out and hold hands. Uh, we can even kind of move into the center here, reach out across the, uh, hold hands with somebody. i got to get somebody up here to hold hands with. Okay. And so we're going to sing this. Do we have the words? Here, we are one in the Spirit. So if you know it, sing it along with me. But we're going to sing it once, and then we'll sing it again so that those of you who don't know it can join in, and we can be more one. Ready? We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We Ben, Come on up, Ben. Hold my hand. Come on. One. Okay. Oh. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love Let's all do it together We are one in the Spirit We are one in the Lord We are one Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and pray that our unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christian by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Now, just wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not true. That's not true. We aren't all one. We still are fractured. We're still broken. We're still in our tribes. But remember what I said about leaning into the future. We're all one in the spirit. 
It's something God has done. It's something God is doing. And so when we sing this song, and even in some of the songs we sung earlier, they aren't fully true now, but we're leaning into it. We're singing it by faith, kind of putting that out there. That's what we're working toward. And so as we sing it, we're kind of taking that step into the future in our hearts, and we keep working at it. Okay, so let's sing it again. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christian by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. All right. Well, thank you very much. May you go forth to love and serve the Lord. May you have a blessed Mother's Day in some way, some fashion. And uh, reach out to people. Reach out to people wherever you may find them. Share that love of Jesus. Amen.